Hello and welcome once again to episode 76 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So last week we mentioned that it might be a good idea to share our favorite Xcode tips and tricks. So let's share them. Uh, Spencer, what's your first one? Ooh, um, I'd say one that I use indispensably is um like well okay let me back up i think one thing that has made me um feel more comfortable about just using xcode in general is like basic text navigation and manipulation so there's like kind of a whole you know category of things we could go into but um the first one is xcode specific and this was one of my favorite things that i think i found uh, fairly early on, maybe a year or two um, after I'd started kind of using Xcode, which is uh, command and option and then using the brackets to move either the current line that your cursor is on or a selected amount of text um, up and down lines. So you don't have to, you know, go in, select the code, uh, cut it, paste it or drag it somewhere. It's just it's very quickly you keep your hands on the keyboard um, and that was like something that I can't remember who it was, but someone kind of when I was learning was like, you know, it's best to keep your hands on the keyboard if you can. And, you know, some people took that really to heart and like tried to set up a bunch of key bindings to move, you know, editors. Uh, you can set up a bunch of stuff in Xcode, which is really cool to like have different windows pop up and uh, move to like primary, secondary and even tertiary. And I think more editors. I didn't go that far, but I did get fairly okay at um, just text, na like navigating within the code, the text in general. So um, being able to move lines up and down is something that I use many, many times daily. Yeah, I, I can agree with that one. That one is one I constantly use uh, because oftentimes you just want to like, oh, you change your mind about like how you want to wrap this if statement or whatnot. So you just like mm -hmm. move the lines in and out. They will re-indent themselves. Uh, which is super nice. It won't indent like text that is not what you're moving up and down, so do keep that in mind. But uh, whatever you are moving up and down, it re-indents, and that is like a welcome, like just it doesn't take you out of your flow of what you're trying to think and construct in your head, um, and that's always welcome. Like uh, going back to what you said about like always keeping your hands on the keyboard, getting uh, fluent at like navigating everything is all about minimizing the amount of time that you are taken out of your flow right exactly um, so that way you can keep on concentrating at solving the problem that you're trying to solve and not get flustered about like what how uh to go about doing that and how to go about um making that change and then that pulls you out of what you're trying to solve and then you have no idea what you're working on um at the extreme like end of that spectrum uh so yeah. uh at the same time, like a mouse is a very useful tool. So if you are not like super uh, keyboard oriented, don't feel bad. Uh, just know mm -hmm. that uh, you can get better at both and you can use both. Like this is not Vim in the terminal. Like you still have a mouse that's available to you. You can still scroll quickly and like click uh, to get to exactly where you need to go um, without like feeling that you're taking your hands off the keyboard. So. Um, I do want to put that out there because I know Absolutely. that there are some diehard like Vim users and that's like yeah. the mouse was never invented and they're still in that mentality. Um, but the mouse has been invented. It is a very, uh, a very accurate pointing device to get to exactly what you need to do and select and manipulate text. Um, so like, don't, don't push it aside, <laughs> but, uh, it's available. Um, but yeah, leading into what you mentioned, uh, being able to manipulate and uh, text is, is something that's very useful. So why don't we get into a few of those? Um, any anytime like you are using your arrow keys to navigate, um, there are a few commands that are modifier keys that you can hold down to change how that works. So for instance, option uh, arrow keys will move one word at a time left to right. Um, or one uh, paragraph, I think, uh, up and down. Um, so that's like a very quick way of uh, navigating around. If you hold the command key, you'll go to the beginning or end of the line with left and right, or the beginning and end of the document with up and down. 
um, and it will just like put your cursor there. If you combine any of that with the shift key, that will also select at the same time. Um, so that's a great way of uh, selecting like whatever you're you're trying to manipulate and get a big selection all at once. I think there is like an option, and this is this is a bit rusty in the back of my head. I think there is an option to like configure uh, your locale such that when you do option, it will uh, go between the camel cased characters in a mm-hmm. long word. Um, but I can't remember how to actually turn that on, so I can't help you there. Uh, but I know it exists, so if you if if you want to go searching for it, you can definitely find it. Yeah, I remember remember that exists as well. I haven't set it up either, but um, something like along with all of these is then you can do things like I mentioned, like okay, you you know hold, um, let's see, you know you can hold Shift and Option and select a bunch of lines of code. Uh, at the same time, and then use the the command option brackets to move them up and down. Like for example, one time that it's super helpful uh, is like Swift UI. If you want to rearrange modifiers or rearrange views in a mm-hmm. in a V stack or something, it's killer that way. Um, another one that's great is um, you know just navigating to whatever uh, word or let's say you have some uh, class that you want to rename. You've got a couple options, right? You can go. Select the class, go to edit, uh, like I think find and uh, find and rename something like that, or refactor. I forget exactly what it is. Um, you can select it and then right click and say, oh, it's refactor rename in in that sub menu. But there's also uh, command. Uh, let's see, command control E. Is that it? Yep. It's kind of just muscle memory at this point. It's um, the claw. You memorize a bunch of claws at the end or like piano chords for the musically inclined. But yeah, it's just like the right side of the modifiers is like, oh, this one's this one. This one's this one. Um, You can almost play a theremin at the end of it. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you've got command shift E or sorry, command control E. And then that will just like if you select some class with that, then in line, it will rename everything uh, within it, it's the current file, right? It's not the current scope. It's the current scope. So oh, if you are scope? within oh. like a loop and the variable is defined there, but you have a similarly named variable elsewhere, mm. it's not going to touch that one. Um, so this is a great way of even just highlighting uh, where that variable is like scoped. Uh, so that way, if you're like confused, if you're just starting out and you're confused as to like, hey, is this variable the same variable that's over here? And then there's the name... Uh, name the same like this is a great way of just like highlighting them and make it super obvious which ones are related and which ones are not so mm-hmm. um there's a brand new thing in swift uh 5.7 i would say um where we will soon be able to say if let my variable open bracket and you don't need to like repeat the my variable equals my variable part um and that is something that is going to create a new variable within the scope of that if statement that is separate from the one that's outside of that if statement. Uh, so uh, that is something that you can go ahead and more clearly see when you do Control Command E uh, to kind of spot those. Yeah, along with that, um, you can also just uh, click on or put your cursor over something, and it will it should kind of do a little similar highlight mm-hmm. thing um, to show that the yeah same constant or whatever you're selecting in in whatever scope yep and like super neat trick combining everything we've talked about so far uh (laughs) your mid word control command e option left shift option right and now you've selected that whole thing you can rename the whole thing in one go so uh your hands don't leave and you can very rapidly rename something that way um and that is super super convenient um on the topic of like changing multiple things at once uh, something you can also do uh, is there's a, there's a few different ways of doing this. You can hold the option key and then click and drag, and that will select a block of text across multiple lines. Um, and alternatively, you can go ahead and shift control on different places, and you'll insert multiple cursors. Um, so this is really, really excellent when you need to modify a bunch of lines which are very similar um, which already have like differences, but maybe you need to like change the file name that all of those are kind of based off of. Well, you can just option control 
uh, no, just option click and drag downwards and make a, mm-hmm. like a straight vertical, like insertion, uh, pointer, uh, list, or you can shift control and then click individually. And once again, using this with everything else, you can option to jump between certain words. So that way, if you like need to rename the first part and then the second part a little bit later and it's slightly different, you can go ahead and do that. If you have things selected, it will paste at all these locations all at once. Um, so this is a really, really great way of basically manipulating arduous data that you don't really want to be typing out. This is a great way of doing it quickly. Yeah. I was using this, uh, just this last week for, um, I, th- I can't remember exactly what the context was, but, uh, I had a bunch of constants that were all, you know, just right there. It was just like, let whatever equals whatever. And I was like, oh, I need to make these all private. So yeah, just hold com- or just hold option, drag it down, type private space for every uh, every line that got selected, and you're done. And you don't have to like private space. All right, let's move to the next line. Private space, and it's mm-hmm. just makes something so monotonous much more quick. So yeah, yep, that's a great one. Oh, so um, Dimitri's gotten here uh, using Command Nine for reports, and I'll let him get into that. But along with Command Nine is you can really go from command one to nine uh, to jump between any of the, um, I guess you'd call them navigators in the left pane of um, of Xcode. And then I think you've got command option zero, one, two, three, uh, or zero through whatever for the right pane navigators. I don't know what you call them, but um, that the can edit- be nice. Editors, attributes, inspectors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the inspectors, inspectors. Yeah. So that one's huge for me when I'm going, you know, from like building the app and I want to see the, any errors or warnings that pop up. And then I want to, you know, I'll, I'll do command one to jump back to the files and go to whatever file I need to, or whatever. So, um, I don't use the reports personally, so I'll let Dimitri uh, speak on that one. Yeah. So reports are actually super cool because any, you, you've probably run into this a ton of times where, you are using print debugging because we all do um and you have a bunch of stuff in the log and you go and rebuild and then you're like shoot all the stuff in my log that i was just looking at that i really like just forgot about right um and you like didn't know what the exact thing that said and you're like oh darn and now i need to rebuild that state well the reports tab actually remembers every single run that you do so you'll see there's a different like entries in there. There's the build and then there's the run. Um, the build will tell you like how did the build go. This is a great way of knowing like if your build is getting longer over time because it shows the time uh, right then and there. Um, but the run will go ahead and collect the log of that particular run. Um, so you can go ahead and compare them. If you click on multiple, you can drag them into Kaleidoscope, uh, which is a diffing tool. And that oh, will go ahead cool. and diff your logs. Uh, which is a super neat thing that you can do if they're not littered with a whole bunch of other Apple logs, um, which is, <laughs> I don't know how to get rid of that. It changes yeah. every year. Uh, good luck. Um, but that that is a super neat thing that you can do. A separate thing that you can do from this uh, is you'll get test entries as well. So whenever you run tests, those will be saved in there along with code coverage. So you can see how that evolves over time. Or if you have some sort of CI, you can actually upload those, like they're part of the derived data. Um, and you can download the individual uh, reports. And then if you double click them, they'll open in your project locally. And you can go ahead and see like, oh, hey, these tests failed. And when you click on it, it'll bring you to the code of the test. Um, so it's all kind of tied together, which is uh, really, really neat. So if you've never kind of ventured to the reports navigator, because it seems like uh, what is the point of this? Uh, that is the point of it. And I think it's really cool. And it's one of the reasons why I tell people don't nuke your drive data folder. Like there's a lot in there like that is nukeable, um, but you shouldn't just get rid of the whole drive data because that will get rid of the drive data for every app you've ever built. And those that historical data might be useful to you when it comes time to debugging, when it comes time to seeing like if uh, a new computer is faster at what you're trying to do or if it was a waste of money um, because you can go ahead and see like from the beginning how how has your app been in in those kinds of scenarios i am convinced i will definitely use the reports that's awesome i did not realize that it included all of the the logs for uh 
every time you run the app that's super cool yeah that um, is something that you might want to get rid of too depending on like how noisy a particular build of your app was sometimes that's fair it can be gigabytes <laughs> and that's something you don't necessarily want to keep around uh but generally speaking um they it's like very useful to just jump back to quickly like between two runs and be like okay what was it here compared to there you can open them in new windows and just kind of see them side by side yeah, well, I know for me, what I'll do is I'll go down to the console, copy, you know, control A, copy everything, throw in in notes or something. Uh, so I have that. So because uh, <laughs> I now didn't know what the, the reports did. It's a backup. Yeah. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, there we go. Uh, that's super cool. A um, couple things like I think um, Xcode has gotten better about this, uh, kind of having them as defaults. But a couple things that like... From uh, like I started using Xcode from Xcode seven, and Dimitri's been using it for far longer than that. Um, like for example, we think that this is a default now, but um, if it's not on, I would go into the preferences and turn on uh, line numbers because that's super nice just to be able to say, "Oh, I'm having this issue on line one ninety one or whatever." Um, another thing that's great, and Dimitri mentioned something about this uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, which is the code folding ribbon where if you want to kind of just get a part of some file out of your mind so you don't have to scroll past all the time, the code folding ribbon shows up right next to the line numbers, and you can sort of fold in either entire functions, entire classes. It depends on the scope, and you can kind of interactively uh, fold out and kind of uh, just put away what you don't want to see or you don't need to see for whatever... uh, thing you're working on so that can be super nice um and maybe maybe you can do a quick search if you have xcode open in front of you i think control arrow keys will open and close Mm -hmm. the most recent code folding ribbon uh of where your selection is um but i might be wrong oh command Um, option command option command option left and right arrows there we go. Which brings us to another tip. That help menu is super useful because you yep. can type in uh, almost anything and it will kind of like search all the menus uh, yeah. to find out one, where it is, and two, uh, what the command for that one is. Uh, so that's that's a very useful uh, little trick that you can go ahead and use. And if you're not happy about the particular command or maybe a, a menu does not have a command, you can go ahead and set one in Xcode Preferences, Key Bindings, um, and you can set any key binding for anything. It'll tell you if there's duplicates. Um, and uh, you can just search this this wonderful list to kind of get inspired about what you can do to speed your process up. I've learned a whole bunch of tricks, like just navigating this, like the control command E. Um, that was one that I learned just by like perusing through. It's like, I didn't know you could do that. Does this really work? Uh, and I gave it a try and it did. And I thought that was super, super cool. So uh, definitely go ahead and give uh, the key bindings list a try and the help menu um, because you can if you don't know you can just click on help in almost any app on your Mac uh, and just type a yep. menu command and it will just search them all um, so that's really really neat um, one that is for me annoying but maybe some new people like it I'd love to like hear from everyone on like Twitter or whatever maybe we'll do a poll or something Um what everyone thinks about this but since xcode 12 they kind of updated the um i guess you would call it like the default tab style uh in xcode where it sort of uses this uh i think they call it like a tab ribbon or something it, it yeah i don't know it, it's the I, worst not, it's the worst dude <laughs> i hate it it just doesn't follow like mac os like normal ns window tabbing like you would have in safari or something and so it feels very unnatural to me i i don't think like control tab which is how i get around control tab and control shift tab or how i kind of go through my tabs either forward or backward um it doesn't work or it did i don't know it i didn't like it when it kind of came out and so uh there's even an entire blog post on how to undo this so you know that if there's a blog post that people don't like it some people don't like it right so for me uh, I literally just Googled it, found that uh, blog post, and it will walk you through. There's one or two things that you have to do to kind of revert uh, it back to the old tab style. And for me, because I'm used to those keyboard shortcuts, it was like a necessary thing because it interrupted my workflow with this new style. So 
Um, not sure if that applies to everyone. Maybe some people like it, especially if you're newer and that's just kind of what you um, grew up with, quote unquote, with Xcode. Um, but for me, I, I just like normal tabbing. So Yeah, it very much feels like some weird web development thing that like snuck in. And then all of us uh, iOS veterans are like, what is this newfangled way of like getting lost? Uh, because it very much is about getting lost because you have no idea like for me i left the option on because i'm like willing to try it it's still on to this day i have not figured out how to make it work reliably i either like am proactive about it and like oh this one has italics in the in the the ribbon thing so i'm going to double click and this is going to be persistent there um and then i end up with a million of these little tabs one for every file that i've ever touched that happens or I don't do anything proactive and I end up with a million of these little things in there. And it's not useful in either scenario because I have a, a list of files on the left side. Um, and those are always there. <laughs> so I don't know what these uh, tabs are meant to help with. I don't know if it needs dialing in further. I don't know if the people who this was built for enjoy using it this way. I really don't know because it just feels messy to me um and i still have the defaults on because uh generally speaking i uh, touch fewer and fewer defaults on like systems that i use like over time um like i don't install anything extra on like a mac the first time i touch it if that makes any sense like i'm totally pleased Mm -hmm. with the defaults because i've like trained myself don't don't touch anything uh and you'll be happier since things change so often um and this is still one thing that I have not gotten used to despite two years because it's, it's since Xcode 12. Mm-hmm. Um, despite two years of really playing around with this, I have not gotten used to it. So uh, if you just want to get on with your life and be able to work, then yeah, definitely turn it off because it doesn't it doesn't seem to make any sense. And if it makes sense to you, uh, you are a listener, please let us know. Like yeah. let us know on Twitter at Code Completion uh, or at me directly. Uh, and and let me know because I I really cannot make it work in a way that makes sense. It just yeah. it just turns into a mess every single time. Maybe my projects have more than five files, and your Exo projects is supposed to only have five files. I don't know. Yeah. Like that's well, that's I think you're right. I, I think it is something like every time you move files, there it adds like a new tab and everything. But for me, again, going back to like, I just learned like keyboard shortcuts, you can do command, uh, control, left and right arrows, and that will move you back through the the different files that you've uh, gone through in whatever tab. So that it's like out of sight, out of mind until I need it. And then I can just be like, oh, what was the last file I was on before this one? Command, control, uh, left arrow, and it kicks me back. So it's especially useful for like debugging or something. Um, oh, along with that is... Um, you know, if you're trying to figure out like, uh, what does this function do? And maybe you're not on a breakpoint, so you can't step into the function. You can do um, either hold command and click on something uh, and it will pull up a little sub menu. And it, depending on what the thing is, if it's like um, a function, it'll say like jump to definition or a variable, it'll say jump to definition. You can, um, I think, probably rename stuff if it's like um, a variable a or... Menu. Yeah, it's like a yeah shortcuts menu that you don't have to right click necessarily, but most of the time I end up just saying go to ju- like jump to definition, and so you can just kind of bypass that little sub menu and just do command control and click, and it will kick you to the definition automatically without having to kind of go through another step. So, yeah, one of the other things that's in, hiding in that menu uh, that I constantly use is generate member wise initializer. Mm. So if you do this on a struct or a class. Uh, it will give you that option um, and it will put it in the spot that I don't want it. And then it will also put internal, which I then delete. So I might save more time just by doing it myself, <laughs> but I always click it nonetheless. Um, and then like I click to select it. Uh, if you don't know, you can click and drag text, uh, which is a Mac OS 10 staple since the beginning. Um, but it's still like a hidden feature if you don't know you can do it. Um, but yeah, if you select text, you can just click and hold and drag. Uh, and move it somewhere else. And so I will do that. I'll get rid of the internal. And uh, that's another benefit of that little menu. Um, on the topic of uh, like knowing where you are in terms of like um, 
your tabs and what files you have open. Uh, one that every Xcode developer should know is Shift Command O. And Shift Command O will go ahead and search not only all of your files, but all symbols in general. Um, and be able to open headers or interface files yeah. um, uh, that Apple provides, but also any of your files. So you can just type willy-nilly. Like You don't even have to know exactly what it's named. As long as you get the characters in the right order with gaps, uh, then it will totally open it. So if you needed to open a file that was uh, my audio recorder and you type AU for audio and then REC for recorder, uh, that will totally find it. Um, and it will generally be the first option. So you can just hit return and that will open that file. Maybe that's why I end up with like so many of these little tabs because I do that and it like makes that one persistent. I have no idea, but I do this constantly and it's a super great way uh, to open any file that's in your project, um, especially if you know the name of it already. Yeah, and along with that, like Dimitri said, it's not just files, but it's it's anything. You could say, you know, I guess if you had multiple uh, classes or structs in a single file, you could say like jump to the it, search for a specific struct or even a specific method. It will go through there. It's kind of this like Xcode specific spotlight, which is really cool. It's really, really useful. Um, <laughs> this one's kind of superficial, but I'm not quite at the, I, okay. I'm, I'm getting to my superficial things here. <laughs> I'm not quite at the point where I can, um, jump to onto a system and just go well i could but there are a couple things that i like to change just to because i've kind of um i guess learned that way um one for me is like i personally don't like using xcode's built-in documentation because well it was actually really good in in like xcode 7 8 or 9 and or 9 i can't remember when they changed it but it had this nice little side menu where you could actually see like method definitions and stuff. And it was really good. And then after that, for me, they, I think they changed it and it ended up just being sort of like this web view and you'd have to scroll through to find method definitions as far as I remember. So a long time ago, I stopped using it and I just use Dash now, which is a separate app uh, for documentation. And it's not just Apple documentation, but like docs for anything. It's crazy. Um even I, you can even like pull in like docs for like Swift packages and stuff. It's really cool. But I just really just use it for like Apple's documentation. Um, and you can, and it brings back like that side uh, menu sidebar um, where you can very easily search for things and kind of scroll through the general um, parts of, of a, um, a class or a struct without having to kind of, literally scroll through all of these definitions and discussions and everything. So um, that's one that I'm, yeah, I always install Dash as soon as I, you know, get a new machine along with Xcode and stuff. So funny story about documentation now that you bring it up. I think it was probably around like Xcode 5 or 6 or 7. It's been a long time. Um, but at one point, something got corrupted on my computer. Um, and this was back when I only used the single computer. Uh, and I could not open Xcode's documentation. Like I, you would open it and it would just be a white screen. Um, and it would never load anything. If you option clicked on something and that opened it in the documentation panel, that would just be a white screen. So for something that used to be such ingrained muscle memory, like I used to always access that documentation window first, uh, before like searching anywhere else, um, I was suddenly no longer able to do that for multiple point releases of Xcode before I found like the exact file in my library caches that was like corrupted that was preventing it from loading. Um, I just could not access documentation. Um, and because of that, I broke that muscle memory of like ever using the documentation window and I never use it now. Um, and I will automatically go to Safari and just like new window and just like search uh just, just for <laughs> that that thing i'll just google it um because like that's what i had to do and now i think that may have triggered my unhealthy habits of just mm. like opening new safari windows willy-nilly anytime i want to search for like some api because i that's that's how i got into that habit and uh there's no a way out of it at this point for me um so uh, funny that you were mentioning uh, using Dash for documentation because that just reminded me of 
like how much I loved Expo's documentation panel. Um, like I used to have a special secret display just for it and everything. Uh, and then I just stopped using it because I couldn't use it anymore. Um, yeah. and that just drove me nuts. I think <laughs> that's awesome. Little. I think you're just trying to find someone to blame your, your bad habit on is, is what, um, darn you Xcode five. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then getting into the even more petty of things. Um, I don't like the default Xcode themes anymore. Uh, as soon as they switch to like SF Pro or whatever it is, um, I will always go back and change the font to Menlo because that's what I learned on and it looks the most natural to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I refuse to use the current uh, normal font for my themes. <laughs> I used to use a, a font called Monofur, which is like a super wacky looking font. Like anyone who would come over and be like, what on earth is that? Um, but it has like certain uh, additions that make it a little easier for dyslexic people to tell mm. like certain letter forms apart um, because it's extra wacky. Uh, so like everything is, is very different. Um, so I got used to that at one point and then people would just like walk by and be like, your, your code editor font looks extra wacky. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I've gone so used to not changing defaults that I, I'm just using whatever uh, this yeah. default light mode is. I used to customize all the colors and everything. It just gets kind of arduous over time. Like as yeah. you get new computers and you need to migrate everything, you just have one less thing to set up um, mm -hmm. if you're happy with the default. So uh yeah that's that's kind of where i settled unfortunately <laughs> no i think that's totally fair um another one that's like i don't know for me because i was uh, teaching i would constantly have to go from like the normal to presentation themes to change the font size uh back in like xcode 7 xcode 8 uh, but now you can just change the font size with command uh plus and, and minus or rather mm -hmm. com command equals and minus so uh, I don't yeah, do that often, key. but yeah, I, it's the plus. I mean, you don't hold shift or anything, but yes. The, there um, are actually certain like extras in AppKit um, to make it a plus on the menus because that's what people think about. It's like, oh, I want to make something right. smaller or larger, but the minus key and the plus key characters are shifted. Like the right. one that you see there is a hyphen and an equals, and they're not at all like what you generally get um but AppKit will go ahead and show a minus and a plus uh oh, when you set it up cool. because it knows like that's that's, that's what, you, what mean. you want <laughs> that's yeah. what you meant um <laughs> when you when you meant to say like make something bigger um so uh fun little fact there um I liked it. yeah okay back to back to some cool xcode tips and tricks uh something that i really like to do um, especially as my projects end up on GitHub and stuff like that, um, is in any GitHub repo, you're encouraged to have a readme file. Um, and that readme file like exists in your repository. So something I will do immediately as I start setting up my project is drag that readme file into Xcode under the, the little Xcode like line item, which is that first kind of file. Um, and when the little dialog pops up, I say, no, do not add to any targets. Do not copy right. Um, and what this does is make it really easy to access that file um, anytime I want to while I'm in Xcode. Um, so as a result of this, I will also add all sorts of other files that are part of my repo uh, to there that have no nothing to do with the project. So always make sure to uncheck the add to target and to recheck it when you actually want to add to target. Um, but things that I save in here are um, like GitHub workflows, which are all hidden behind .github slash workflow, which is like hard to get to in the finder unless you do shift command period, I think, to show yeah. hidden files. Um, I'll have those in Xcode, so I don't need to muck around with hidden files in the finder. I will go ahead and have uh, a special app store directory, which contains one markdown files for all the metadata um, and a second one for release notes that I'll just maintain. Uh, and I'll have a third folder for screenshots just so that way I have mm. my screenshots in the Git history um, so I can go ahead and refer to them in the past. So something I uh, learned over uh, like 10 years of maintaining an indie app is sometimes you want to look at those ancient screenshots and 
you just don't have them anymore. <laughs> so uh, that is something that I now do for all my projects is just maintain that um, as far as just like a historical record, because once it's in Git, you have that historical record forever. Um, right. So you can add those to Xcode and they become very easy to access as a result of that. I think you mentioned um, either last week or the week before I was talking about uh, documentation and that my company uses Notion for our documentation. Then you mentioned uh, just using like throwing a markdown file in Xcode and just documenting that way. And I think that's super cool to just have your documentation right in um, um, in Xcode itself. Um, and along with that, one thing that I find super helpful is uh, and this would be like a great example is maybe you want to write some like more in-depth documentation. So you put a markdown file in, in Xcode and you can like have whatever file you're trying to document in your editor and you can hold the option key and then select that markdown file. And that opens it in kind of the secondary editor. So it'll split your uh, window into kind of two columns and then you can have them both open at the same time. So you could be looking at the code, but also be over here uh, in the other editor, like writing your documentation, or, um, I use it to, you know, if I've got an objective C file that I'm trying to, uh, maybe make an extension in Swift for, and I need to look at what's in the, the M file or convert something over to Swift. So having, uh, those two things open at once is nice without having to make a new window, uh, you know, right click, open a new window, kind of move it over. It's just, it's right there. So that's something that I use quite often. Mm -hmm. And extra useful when you have an ultra-wide monitor, right? Super ultra-wide, yes. Uh, so on that topic, another uh, claw method. Uh, this one looks like this a little bit. Um, and this is shift-option-command. And shift-option-command is one claw that you want to remember because anytime you want to open a file anywhere, like say you have a file on the left side navigator, shift-option-command and then click it. Xcode will now interactively allow you to place that file anywhere. You can replace the current editor. You can move your mouse over to the right side and it'll put a little insertion line and you can oh. open a secondary editor. You can open a third secondary editor. You can open one underneath. You can split your editors. You can have some crazy layout um, at this point. And like on that computer over there, um, I do have like one Xcode project with five editors all meticulously organized um, and I have just the, the little ingots of information that I need to kind of complete that task that I was working on. Um, and using shift option command is excellent for kind of setting that up. If once you shift option command, you click a file, you release your modifiers, you can either click to place one or you can hold like option or shift or command and it will tell you, hey, do you want to open in a new window in a new tab and a new window oh. tab? It will go ahead and suggest all these things like in the little HUD that opens up. Um, so this really is like cool. by far my super favorite um, like key command that I use all the time. If you command click on something to open uh, or to jump to the definition, before you click jump to definition, shift option command, you can click that, you can open in a new oh. tab and not necessarily lose where you are. Um, so this is like the the best thing. The only worst thing about this is you cannot open an editor like in front of the one or on top of the one you're currently at. Like it restricts you to the right or to the bottom, which I don't know why. Uh, Xcode, please, please fix that. I have a radar for it. Um, but this is like, the coolest thing and something that every developer should know about um, because it lets you just like maximize your screen real estate um, and get all sorts of little snippets open uh, so that way you can go ahead and see them all at once uh, without needing to switch back and forth between things. That's super cool. I did not know that one. I will also be using that as well. Um, this isn't an Xcode. I hope Dimitri doesn't mind. He might uh, throw yeah. me out of the podcast. Um um, not VS thing... Code. <laughs> no. <laughs> Vim. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I, I could never. Um, uh, it is so kind of along the lines of that where you, it's like it lets you place different, you know, a new file in specific places, kind of jumping outside of Xcode specifically. Uh, one thing that I think is indispensable, and this is literally probably the first app I install on a new machine, is Magnet. Uh, to be able to organize just general windows on my screen or screens. Um, 
very easily without having to kind of drag them to the specific place I want, you know, drag the corner or whatever. It's just hotkeys to move your windows around. And that's something that I use all the time, especially for this ultra wide. It's got, you know, I can say, okay, I want this thing on the left third of my screen, maybe uh, Safari or my documentation. Then I've got um, my Xcode window. I've got Slack open and this little sliver or whatever. So I use Magna all the time. That's for me, indispensable. Yep. Uh, am I, whatever, am I still whatever on the podcast? Helps. Yeah, you're still you're still here. Yes. You you did not get kicked out by the forces that be. <laughs> also, I think I'm the guest on this uh, on the particular session that keeps us connected, so we can talk. So I wouldn't be able to kick you. <laughs> That's mid. true. That's true. You have all the power, Spencer. And I am the editor. So. Yep. Um, so another one that I find really, really useful when just editing code is to have the author's view open. So this is control shift command a, um, you can also find it via that little button that changes shape every Xcode version. So I cannot describe it to you, uh, from memory, but there's a little button on the top right of your editor that will open extra editor stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the menu is called. Uh, but one such option in there is uh, the author's view. And the author's view will open up a little sliver on the right side, and it will tell you which commit changed every particular line of code. You can go ahead and click on one of them, and it'll show you if it changed other lines of code that are like inter intermixed. Um, but uh, this will allow you to know like when something changed, and it will add any context as to why something changed. So if everyone is good about your commit messages then that commit message will kind of live on in that author's view. And it's something I almost always have open um, because I have the space for it um, because it's just generally useful to have as a tool when you're trying to understand why certain decisions were made while you're refactoring something. Um, so definitely recommend uh, giving that a look uh, every now and then just to kind of be aware of um, like how how your code is changing when the comments don't necessarily mention why something is changing. Yep. And it'll also tell you who changed it as well. Yeah, it Which, used to be called the blame view. The blame, yeah. You can, uh, get blame is the actual command that it runs in the background um, so that we can blame uh, the person that wrote the, the bug. is like, it was all because of him. Uh, he did it. Burned the witch. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Funnily enough, I've used the author's view on a couple occasions and been like, who wrote this? And it was me. So uh, <laughs> it, it goes both ways. You can blame other people, but you can definitely blame yourself too. So one more thing on the editors um, that we uh, didn't really mention yet is Xcode has a notion of the focused editor that it has off by default. So when you click on a new file, it always change the main editor um, and it will leave all your other ones alone, no matter like where you are currently uh, editing. Um, and something I like to change is to change the focused editor. So uh, this is in uh, preferences navigation. Um, and what it will do is wherever you're currently typing, if you change files, it'll go ahead and change files there um, and not in the main one. Um, so this is a great way of, if that works better for your workflow, kind of keeping that up to date. Um, and that's something I generally turn on quickly uh, as soon as I notice that it's not working that way and I'm like, this is wrong. Uh, so I would go ahead and change that. So, uh, that's another useful one. There are a couple ways that you can do this, but recently I think they've added it to like the little, um, I guess you'd call it like the little debug toolbar that normally like breakpoint actions go to, um, when you're running the simulator. Um, I don't actually know if you can do this on a device, uh, when you're running on a, a physical device, but um, you can change specific things like uh, the uh, the I always forget what this is called, like the dynamic font size um, appearances, mode, dark like mode. dark mode, light mode. Um, you used to have to go to like the um, accessibility um, helper menu thing. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, um, but now it's just built in accessibility inspector. So it's just built into that bottom bar, which is nice. Uh, I don't use it all the time, but um, it can it can be nice to especially if you're doing things like making sure that um, cells resize when you've got different amounts of text or different sizes of text. So that's that's kind of, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel here, but that is one that I will use on occasion. Yeah, when it's useful, it's really useful. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Similarly, uh, something that is not useful all the time, but it is something useful to set up, especially if you ever end up with any extensions uh, in your Xcode project, is to set up your build version numbers and your marketing version numbers in the Xcode project itself. So if you go to the Xcode project build settings, on the left side, you'll have the project and then all your targets. If you go to the project and chain and do a search for marketing version and build version, you'll see entries there um, that you can go ahead and set. And if you set them here, um, you can go ahead and not delete the entry from your info.plist, but use that special dollar sign, uh, open parentheses, and then all caps marketing underscore version or all caps build underscore version. Um, and what that will do is all your extensions and all variants of your app that get bundled in your app will now have the same build versions and marketing versions automatically. Um, so you have one place to change them in your build settings, uh, and then everything else will just have that value. And that is tremendously useful because uh, Apps for Connect will yell at you and make you like resubmit if those versions are ever out of sync. So that's a great way of making sure that they stay in sync. Um, and also, if you have multiple targets, uh, like multiple versions of your app, a Mac version, an iOS version, then those versions will also stay in sync because they're all grabbing that version information uh, from one place. So uh, yeah. that is uh, something I always set up on new projects. You can also set up all sorts of other things here. You can have your own um, defines uh, if you really want them uh, for different targets um, for like your if statements and stuff like that. Um, so that can also be found in the build settings. So uh, something definitely interesting to look into if you ever want to uh, push that uh, the automation aspect a little further um, than it currently is. I don't know if um, along like it would be included in, in exactly what you said or if it's maybe something else that you have to do. But I think there's even a way that you can have it automatically increment like the build number. Uh, when mm-hmm. you go to archive it so you don't have to remember to um, increment that because then app store connect will also yell at you if you've already you're trying to upload a build that already exists yeah so app store connect very helpfully now not app store connect but the upload process very now has a check mark that automatically oh. will do this based okay. on what the last like uploaded version is um, but i don't trust it as most new things uh, so i still <laughs> uh, i still have a little um I have a dummy target that's called like uh, build uh, auto increment build and stuff like that, um, and that will go ahead and just go through and uh, run a little shell script that will go ahead oh. and increment. It actually does a few things. It makes a new branch. It increments the build number. It will push that branch so that way I have a record that I can uh, PR review just for that. Um, and it also makes a nice line entry in my commits of like, hey, this is the new version. Um, and it's super easy to find in most um, in most log entries that don't necessarily always have the tags there. Um, right. So then I can quickly get like a change log and stuff like that. So um, I still have that very manual process, mostly because I don't trust the automatic thing. Uh, but like this, it makes it very easy to automate too because it's in one place um, that you can go ahead and change it. Sorry, one last thing. Um, you were talking about extensions, and I don't think they're the same extensions that. Uh, you were mentioning, but it reminded me uh, because I'm working with Objective C a lot. Um, I'll have to, you know, go between like H and M files, but this also works for a class that has extensions as well. Um, you can do Command Shift or sorry, Command Control, and then up and down arrows to switch between files of, I guess, related files. So, for example, mm-hmm. the H and M file of a specific class, or uh, it'll also go through extensions as well. So that one's super nice that I use. Uh, pretty regularly at least at my day job because i am using objective c yeah and if you have like a private header that will be included in that list like i didn't know that would happen and i was like oh that's super neat um back when i still wrote objective c now if you're in a swift file and you do the same thing i think you get the swift interface uh which is what you publicly get uh well what you would Mm -hmm. publicly share um in terms of like your all your internal and public and private markings uh, so you can go ahead and give that a shot as well to kind of preview that if you're writing a library, which is super neat. So um, it's not the exact thing that it was doing for Objective-C, where in that case it was just swapping between files with the same like prefix. Um, but for Swift, they augmented it to get the interface, which I find uh, quite nice. 
If you have any um, Xcode tips and tricks, we'd love to hear from you uh, either on Twitter or, oh yeah, probably on Twitter at Code Completion. So let us know um, if you have anything that, you know, really helps you out. I, it'd be awesome to know. I mean, I learned a couple really cool things from Dimitri today that I'm going to try using like the reports and the, um, the, the claw to kind of move editors around. That's super cool. So, um, you know, we all have this like knowledge of, we all learned Xcode very differently. So it's cool to kind of feed off of each other and learn something that, Hey, it might, you know, uh, increase your efficiency. You just help your workflow out. So, uh, let us know, tweet at us at code completion. Yeah, I, I definitely come across a whole bunch of uh, these uh, tips and tricks like constantly, um, and I always retweet them because like some I am aware of, some I forgot that I was aware of, and some I <laughs> had no idea of. So it's it's always a great way of sharing that knowledge um, because it oftentimes fits in a tweet, which is really neat. Yep. So this week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by NotFa. Tired of eating the same old meals time and time again? Consider Vietnamese food. You might already know pho, but there are tons of other flavors specific to Vietnamese cuisine that are sadly not well known around the world. This includes everything from sandwiches like banh mi, rice plates like kumtam, tam, and even the deliciously savory crepes known as banh sil. And that's where the app Not Pho comes in. It's a free-to-try app dedicated to teaching you more about the wonders behind Vietnamese cuisine, brought to life with colorful and interactive illustrations and animations. Learn how to make many classic Vietnamese flavors at home, but even if you don't cook, you'll know how to order like a pro the next time you visit your local Vietnamese restaurant. New since version 1.1 is the Chef Club, regularly bringing you even more recipes like avocado mango smoothies, fried rice, chicken curry, and my personal favorite, chicken beef, for the low cost of $2 a month, with more recipes added regularly. Recently, the Chef Club saw the addition of Hot Pot, a perfect recipe for the colder days, and Vietnamese Meatballs, a pleasant twist on the Italian classic. Thanks again to Not Pho for sponsoring our show. Search for Not Pho, that's N-O-T space P-H-O, on the App Store today to give it a try, completely for free. And as always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes get released, and feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter, for joining me this week. Please be sure to tweet him all your Xcode tips and tricks that we didn't cover, uh, and he'll be sure to retweet them so that way I That's can right. retweet them, and then we'll we'll start the retweet cycle from there. Uh, my name once again is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buniel. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Wait. So we'll be able to tell the time as that white mark goes across your your shirt. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> In my old office, we used to have a, a like, it was just a hole in the ceiling. Um, not not really, like, actually letting water through or anything. It was just, like, a hole from, like, the sun's point of view. And you'd have a circle that would travel across my office nice. over time. And you can, if you stare at it, you can see it move. Like, you can see the, the, the span of time just, like, passing. Um, and, yeah, that, that was always fun. Sometimes... Sometimes I'm both sticky note and be like, 3 p.m. Right. It's <laughs> right here. And you can see it change every day and get like slowly further, further back or more advanced depending on which season it was. That was always fun. Yeah. Did you, I remember like way back in the day when, you know, the internet was just super slow. I'd like put my cursor on the end of like a downloading progress bar to see if it even moves at all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, 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 like, you align it just perfectly, and then you come back, yeah. and you're like, did it move? Did it yeah. Move? It's like one pixel. Dang it. Um, For titles, what do we want? I grab these. <laughs> yeah, let's do the claw. The claw is good. <laughs> the claw. The claw. Okay, so the, the claw was something that originally came about in like general computing knowledge because of photoshop's export or save to web mm, yeah. save to web was like a i a remember shift that yes option control save shift option command s for save uh -huh. and yeah. that was like a claw <laughs> right 
<laughs> so I think I think someone like made a T-shirt at one point, um, and that was excellent. But uh, Xcode has introduced plenty of new claws, so that's that's where I'm grabbing that from. I've actually wondered, like, do you? How do you? Okay, so like Command T is probably one that you do often. Uh, I know I do. How how do you? Do you hold control with your thumb? Do you like? I don't Pinky. know. Oh, you do your okay. Interesting. Oh wait, Control T or Command T? Command T Command is T. the thumb. Control okay. T is the pinky. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I use the thumb. Like I, I kind of like contort it like this. And yeah, yeah. I think there are a couple ways I do it that I'm like I don't know if this is weird or not. You know the way that you kind of contort your hand to make yeah, it work. Yeah, just Command O is this. I feel like we're talking sign language. Even oh, insulting! You okay? That's interesting. I on just, the right side. Or yeah, do, you, no. do you like reach? <laughs> no, no. I just use two hands. I honestly, I very rarely oh. will use any of the modifiers on the right, which is I am so sad really on bad. laptops when those modifiers are not there because oh, I grew up no. on like a full size keyboard. I'm like, <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's almost like I just don't even use the modifiers except for like shift to like for question marks or something like that but like command option control i almost never use them at all oh that was that reminds me something else that threw me off for like a loop um was when i got so used to using laptop keyboards and the fn key was next to control on the left side yeah and i got so used to the placement of the modifiers that i could not use a full-size keyboard like the the one that just looks like this because like my hand would just settle on the wrong keys every single time, and it was so disruptive that I could never type properly. Um, Does that all because that have... FN key was there? Does that one have the FN key now or no? No, was... yes. Yeah, so now I'm like programmed the other way around, where the FN key is on on the little thing up above uh, the oh, arrow keys. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I have full size modifiers on both sides, and now this is what I'm used to. I cannot use laptop keyboards anymore. Um, just because I'm so used to like making my little claw shapes, uh-huh. um, that it just won't, my hand just does not work properly. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, you get used to something and like with this, this keyboard that I just built, it's, um, it's got an extra row, uh, or like, I guess an extra column of keys on the left. And so normally I would just kind of hook my pinky and be like, Oh, that's control. But now I have this one here and I'm like, no so definitely <laughs> took me a couple weeks to get used to uh it's it's always interesting when you go but yeah for me like now i'm also messed up on laptop keyboards because it's not quite the same and yeah but yeah you it's, get used it's so to what hard. you're used to yeah i'm i'm like it, it's it's down to the point for me where if the keyboard is not at the same height that i expect on the desk like if the chair's too low and my hands are a little bit like this or if I'm, like, too high, I can't type at all. Um, I am, like, so broke. I never learned how to type properly, first of all. So, like, half the time, I just, like, have an internal buffer in my head of what I want to write. And I will just stare at the keyboard and type. And I know exactly what's ending up on the screen because I can see with my eyes of, like, what I'm missing or not. So I'll, like, hit right. delete properly and everything. Uh, <laughs> and I'll type full paragraphs this way. Um, and then it will be exactly that on the, on the screen. But ever since I've been like slowly trying to get away from that, like typing on the screen, I, I'm like an idiot that can't type properly, especially because the mic is like right on top of my keyboard. So like, I right. can't see it. So I'm like trying to see the screen. <laughs> I just can't type properly at all. Uh, so, uh, if there are any young people listening to this podcast, learn to type properly. It's an important skill. Um, it will be yeah. very useful in your futures um and i learned how to type with like my my three fingers on each hand like a little gremlin like poking (laughs) at the keyboard like an idiot um and that's that's how i can type i can type reasonably well but i had to like stare at the keyboard um and yeah it's not not a great yeah not a great thing for someone whose profession is to type all day to type Um, yeah I yeah I don't type particularly well either like you know homero and all that and my typing classes in in high school or rather like elementary school really um never went super well I think I can type about 60 words a minute but I was watching this um smash youtuber that he showed how he types and he's like it's almost like chicken pecking with like one or two fingers and he can type over 100 words a minute I'm like 
No, <laughs> that's dude. the worst too. Because then it just it just shows that like your inadequacies are even more inadequate for like. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, and I don't better. even practice or anything. I'm like, how? Oh my gosh! So like, I'm I've actually been thinking like I really need to. I would love to get over a hundred words a minute in like normal typing. Um, of course, like you know, using Xcode and autocomplete isn't the same thing, and I feel fairly fluent in that. But when I actually have to write you know, longer length documentation or just like typing anything, uh, bad news. I'm always like my, you know, my pinky fingers on the enter key because I know I'm going to autocomplete something or whatever. And it's just bad news. <laughs> that, is, uh, that actually reminds me, like, I think in, in another way of like blaming something else, adequacies, <laughs> which I'm good at. Um, uh, another habit that I think I picked up is the reason why I don't stare at the screen as much as I would like to while typing is because at a certain point in my computing lifetime, uh, typing on the screen was like, especially through Xcode was something that was slow oh, and yeah. you could type and nothing would show up for several seconds. And then you'd yep. see the characters one at a time, like come in as the event, uh, loop unwinded. Um, so like I would be like, okay, I'm not, I'm not staring at this thing anymore. Let's stare at the keyboard and get my whole paragraph out. <laughs> You know, because as I thought, then the characters would like fill in a little bit more and then I would continue. Um, and I, I got reasonably good at just like writing whole paragraphs of code this way that like it's almost typing blind in a way. Um, yeah. And I hope that no one ever has to go through that because it's just like miserable of like needing to wait on the computer in that way. Well, um, it was even, I mean, the last MacBook Pro before, the last Intel MacBook Pro I had at work, the 2019 one, it did that. I mean, it's not like... Oh, regularly, this was, yes. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> not like it was even, you know, years and years ago that that was the thing. It was like, we're barely on the cusp of that not being a thing. This is so. a new decade, Spencer. We are, yeah. <laughs> we are on Apple Silk, and I've shunned that to the distant past. <laughs> That's honestly like that alone. It's like, yes, I will spend so much money just to have Xcode keep up with me. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's. I feel you on that one for sure. Yeah, Safari is still that way. Like even on the yeah. M1 Max with 64 gigs, uh, I well, get to the point where, where okay, there are not even enough windows open for the window menu to like be cut <laughs> off at the bottom. So it's not that bad yet because I I've definitely gotten to that point where it's like you can scroll for a while, um, but it's not that bad yet. Uh, and hitting Command N for a new window in Safari takes an appreciable amount of time like three seconds Ooh. to the point where at this point i'm i'm now typing my google search before the window comes up because i know the mm -hmm. window will capture yeah, those yeah. words and put them in and i can hit return before the window even shows up and then once the window shows up everything is fast again um so like i'm sure safari is like being paged in and out or something is like wonky at that point so I'm really, really looking forward to a Mac Studio with more than 64 gigs of RAM um, because it's just agonizing. Yeah. Needing to yeah. work and needing to just wait on the computer for basic things. Like I'm not rendering something uh, complex. Yeah. Like I am totally fine s stepping away for five minutes while the code is compiling fresh. Like that is not a pain point that I ever have. It's these little tiny cuts throughout the day of like, oh, I need to research this. Let me jump to Safari, make a new window. I'll have to wait. What yeah. was I searching for? Like well, those like, kinds of things. Yeah, it's like we were talking about with the keyboard shortcuts. It's like anything that takes you out of that flow state where you know it shouldn't take any brain power or computing power to do something, and it does. And you're like, okay, so... What's the update on the um, the shipment of, of the Mac Studio? Okay, let's pull it out. Uh, I've, I've gone to Apple Store several times. I finally found an Apple Store that had an M1 Studio, but it was like the base model one. And I was like, I, I need the more RAM. I don't think oh, yeah. the... No, they had the Ultra, but it was the base model Ultra. And I will benefit more from the RAM than from the extra cores. Like, I'll, like, I, I'll take the extra cores, not... not uh, complaining about that, but I really want the RAM, um, yeah, and they didn't have storage, that model. Probably. Yeah, uh, I mean storage. I'm fine with, like I'll be fine with anything at this point. Um, 
Like, I'm not editing videos and stuff for the most yeah. part, and that's typically what eats into storage. Uh, Why anything you get four more terabytes, than... then? It is nice to have. Uh... <laughs> so the laptop I'm probably not replacing for a while, so four terabytes is nice to have. Yeah, that's um, Like, two, you can fill up, especially if you have a large iCloud photo library, and like that, it just fills up. Yeah. Um which is yeah, Apple get on that and make it make it so it doesn't fill up, I guess. Oh my gosh, that's one thing that like I was setting up that Mac Mini for my um my speakers downstairs and I um it, it's I threw in a um ooh, maybe 256 gig SSD at the most and I signed into iCloud cuz I wanted to download, you know, X I Big had to mistake. download iCloud photo library, man, and and just like <laughs> iCloud in general, it's like, hey, let me download eighty gigs of video files from iCloud, and that's the only thing I'll download from iCloud. Like, what? And it was, I mean, it screeched to a halt because there was literally no space on the SSD, so I had to go in and take ten minutes for it to just open Finder and you know get get to whatever that folder was on iCloud, and uh, and yeah, it was ridiculous. It's just like. Can we have a better synchronization for iCloud, please? And also, yeah, like library, just is awful. just fetch it from another computer on my network, please. It's there, um, yeah. like four times. It's there. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking, uh, answering the second question before the first question. Uh, looking at my iCloud, I have nine hundred sixteen, nine hundred seventeen gigabytes of photos and videos. Uh, ninety three gigabytes of messages. Messages actually does a good job at not loading them all. Uh, mm -hmm. nowadays so good on you messages i don't know when i guess when messages gets better search i will discover what those other 80 gigabytes of messages are um but until then it's just like who knows because you can't scroll bar that scroll that far right um there's like 50 gigs of backups 10 gigs of email uh and then six gigs of documents and like that's a solid terabyte i would say Damn. uh just for me um and yeah so uh, needless to say i pay for the largest icloud storage available yeah. which is like four terabytes um because family together like we are over the two terabyte limit right. um but yeah i'm not i'm pretty far from the four terabyte limit so that's that's good for the time being that's crazy i've, I've got 61 gigs of photos video uh you're lacking the photos from the beginning of time that is slowly accumulated <laughs> yeah no this is this computing is computing history like, yeah uh and i have 250 gigs in icloud drive and i have 800 gigs of backups but that's because my ipad pro is a terabyte and it decided to back up everything on it which i definitely don't need so. <laughs> no, it's safe <laughs> good luck restoring that like that's another thing like i've i've always wondered uh why people do things like backblaze and stuff like that yeah how long is it going to take to restore that one yeah. and two they don't even have like hard drives big enough for like th that whole thing not they and they wouldn't give you. it to you in a bootable format and yeah. it would be like a mess to restore from so yeah i i am not convinced by that that's why i got my own my own uh uh giant thunder array. bay thunder bay um, yeah. and i got two of them because that's the only way to back up something is to have two copies of it well but yeah answering your first question 38 days until the max studio comes oh no i thought it was like so sometime long. in april Dang. may 11th it hasn't oh. changed yeah so thankfully uh since turning 30 like time just flies by so i have not noticed the first 20 days go through go by it feels like yesterday nice. that i ordered it uh but yeah i'm looking forward to that coming soon definitely good one stuff day. one day yeah. Anyways, all right bye, bye everyone <laughs>